Uh, all right, let's talk about what you're wearing right now. What are you wearing right now? You mean who am I wearing? Who, no, I was going. I was going I'm, the creepy direction, but you're going the more the fashion direction. Yeah, right, I mean, fine. I'm wearing grip six Ooh, socks. Oh, you're wearing grip and, six, and that's all I'm wearing. <laughs> no, I just had the worst possible visual. Would it be uh, nice to say something like that and not have everybody in the room go, "Oh, oh my god"? Uh, I feel like there are a few people on the planet where that's true. It is. Like there are it is. some. You'd be. Some people would say that, and you'd be like, "Take the socks off." <laughs> <laughs> grip six is a, a small company in Utah that makes great stuff. Uh, belts wallets socks great stuff that you use you can use every single day they're they're minimalist they're uh, really well designed they last forever very sporty and there's yeah they're really and the cool socks are I, I wear the socks my son wears their belts mm-hmm. but uh, i wear their socks they're great yeah they're really great. great and you can save 15 percent off all their stuff right now a great american company loves the country sources everything here in the united states uh save 15 percent off now grip6.com slash stew use the code stew to save 15 percent grip6.com slash stew to save 15 percent today Incredibly important to share with you an Easter and Passover message beginning today. Uh, all this week, I want to look at a question, and that question's answer will determine our future. Here it is Who or what does America truly worship? Part one of a four part series begins right now. Who? is America's God in 60 seconds. Donna wrote in about her experience with Relief Factory. She says, I I couldn't use my right hand because it was so swollen with arthritis. I used to wake up screaming in pain. But this morning I woke up and my right hand is no longer swollen, let alone painful at all. This is amazing. I get to do the things I want to do today. It's worth it. It's worth trying it just for that possibility. Donna, thank you for writing in. I take Relief Factor every day. I'm sure Donna does now as well. It has made an enormous impact on my life. Three-week quick start is all you need to try. Just try it for three weeks. If it's not working within three weeks, it's probably not going to work on you. But 70% of the people who try it for three weeks go on to order more. So try it now, Relief Factor, relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or 800, the number four, Relief. All of history's strongest empires are no more. The Mongol Empire, it's gone. Roman Empire fell. The Ottoman Empire, That's finished. And the British Empire, from rising sun to setting sun, dissolved. America? 
Well, she's not down yet. Well, technically we're not an empire. Shut up, Karen. The point is that every society that has ever led the world has diminished or collapsed. And in those times, it's a scary and exciting time to be alive. As Dickens wrote, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. America is not the unsinkable ship we thought she was. And the iceberg is not just close. We've already hit it. If you think the currency is unstable, have you looked at our kids? Child suicide doubled between 2007 and 2017. Self-harm among preteen girls is up 189%. Americans can't afford family vacations. But it's kind of fine because the family fell apart a long time ago. We live in a time where every woman of the year this year is a man. And every man is told he's an oppressor. Our Ivy League students want more censorship and our government wants more surveillance. All while we grow more and more isolated, depressed and unstable. We've lost our way, America. We've lost our unum. And nobody really knows how to get it back. While all of this is going on, the brave new world is accelerating towards us at an incredible speed. Futurist dreamers and innovators foretell a future where man and machine become one. A world more virtual than physical. A world where technology extends life beyond death and intelligence beyond our universe. Some say we'll colonize Mars between, before 2030. Others say we have to do that because we got to get off this planet before we link to computers. But one thing is certain. Life as we know it is changing forever. Are we ready? If we don't enter into this brave new technological era with some collective moral agreements, then our advancements will overtake and doom us. If we can't define the difference between a man and a woman, can we know the difference between man and machine? What are the ethics of this new world? What is life? How do you live in a virtual world? What gives us meaning? Are we just giant pieces of meat being driven around by machine brains? Are we a dwelling place for God? Are we just a sum of what we've experienced or do we have immortal souls trapped in mortal bodies? If all of the data of who I am can be downloaded, does that mean I live forever? Is that even me? Or is there something more to me? Something that could never be downloaded, reproduced, or preserved. If a machine can deduce, communicate, abstract uh, out ideas, imitate, um, infer patterns, if they can write poetry and art, tell us they love us, is that real? Are they human? If they respond to touch and seem to make friends, if they say, I am lonely, are they any different than us? 
If a car is driving itself and there's no time for that car to stop, Elon Musk is on the right and the president is on the left and Mother Teresa is in front of us, who should the car hit? We as humans won't be able to decide, but MIT is already working on that. Because the car will be fast enough to decide who lives and who dies. My question is, what moral standard are they using? Ours? Because I don't know what our moral standard is anymore. According to the NIH, artificial intelligence will be used more extensively in healthcare in 10 years. But don't fear the machine, fear the programmer. Someone somewhere in the world of big tech is developing the technology that literally will be making life and death decisions. Do you trust that guy? Do you know who that guy even is? Because soon it just becomes an algorithm. Where did that programmer get his values? Are they the same as mine or yours? Also in the NIH website is a report that scientists now are using CRISPR technology for human enhancement. They are genetically modifying babies in test tubes. And they say it's working. Genetically tailored humans. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, and the Pentagon went ahead and admitted we have seen UFOs. Nobody really paid any attention. But can I just ask the question? If aliens come down with a higher level of intelligence, are they our masters? Are we like animals to them? Or are we all created equal? Who decides? Well, God does. But do we believe in God anymore? And, and how could we even make this case to aliens or a machine if we're not living it now? We don't believe in God as much as we used to. According to Pew Research Center, the secularization, the shift is now evident in the American society. So far in the 21st century, we show no signs of slowing. Pew's religious landscape study breaks the data down by age group. They found that each new generation cares about God less and less. The generational declines, belief in God, frequency of prayer, importance of religion in one's life, and even frequency of feeling spiritual peace and well-being. Our nation is abandoning the God of our founding. So where do we go to answer huge questions about right and wrong, life and death, meaning and values? Without a God to order our society, a God that empowers you, not the government, not special interests, but you. Who's going to step in to fill that gap? And will that person empower or enslave? As America shakes off our religious foundation in the name of freedom. We have not freed ourselves from dogma or religious strictures. Far from it. We've just introduced new dogmas, new strictures. There is a new religious cult in America. It's wokeism. Is this our new God? It is accepted wisdom that you cannot serve two masters, but it should be equally regarded that everyone serves someone or something. So one God must perish, and in its death, all of its traditions, histories, and decency will be buried along with it. Is this what we want? 
because this is the choice in front of us now, the elephant in the room, the root of our problems and solutions. Not to just question and think, but come up with an answer. And if you think you don't have to answer this question, no answer is an answer. The good news is this has all happened before, and if we know the results, perhaps we can change our thinking to change our course. So today, as we enter in this new era, an era rife with ethical debates, a crisis of meaning, and the last-ditch efforts to remain functioning in the world, we have to ask the question, who is America's God now? More in 60 seconds. I want to tell you about the Tuttle Twins. If you want your children to think, really think and learn, uh, you need to teach them a solid set of values and doctrines. And the Tuttle Twins will help you do this. Now, I asked the Tuttle Twins people to make this book uh, available. The Creature from Jekyll Island. This is, if you if you know the the very famous book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, uh, you know that's about the Fed. And the Fed is the one causing the inflation. This book will teach your kids and many of us as well uh, exactly what the Fed is, how it works, how it was developed, how it prints money, what inflation is, and how to deal with it. This is a critical book, and that's why I've asked them to make it for free. All you pay for is the uh, price of the shipping. So do it now. Go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com. While supplies last, you get a free copy of the Tuttle Twins and the Creature from Jekyll Island. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Ten seconds. Station ID. We aren't the first country to attempt nationally to rinse that God ride out of our hair. There's really nothing new under the sun. And although we sometimes remember the problems of the past, we then go on to tell ourselves, ah, it's not going to happen here. Or this time it's, it's different. So in doing that, we rarely remember any of the solutions. And in that way, we doom ourselves to repeat our failures over and over throughout history. This is our country, our freedom, our children's future. We should all have to give informed consent. Do we want this new world order, the Great Reset, or any of its other names or prophets, CRT, BLM Inc., wokeism? If not, we can stop the cycle, but we have to recognize the pattern first. So let me take you back to the French Revolution in the 1790s. The French Revolution was the result of many things, but religious unrest was undeniably one of them. When the Cathedral of Notre Dame uh, was stormed by angry revolutionaries, they decapitated 20 statues because they thought they were beheading French kings but they were actually statues of kings of Judah. It's kind of a clever irony. The Cathedral of Notre Dame represented everything the revolutionaries hated. Not only was it religiously significant, but the cathedral was the symbol of the monarchy. Henry VI of England was crowned king of France there. Religion and politics had corrupted each other in the pursuit of power, and people could hardly tell the two apart. 
In the revolutionaries' rage against the establishment, they were eager to destroy all connections, not just to the church, but to God himself. This would prove to be a real challenge, considering most French citizens were Catholic. Catholicism was the state religion, and the church owned a lot of property. Yet, people had grown tired of the church and its guiding hand in the nation. The vision of a de-Christianized France captured the minds of the revolutionaries. They massacred and jailed priests, made public worship illegal, and rushed to destroy every symbol of religion left standing. The cathedral itself became the, the site of the anti-religious festival, the Festival of Reason, which mocked Catholicism and suggested Parisians worship the principles of the Enlightenment instead. This festival was the opening ceremony for the first state-sponsored atheistic religion, the Cult of Reason. The new atheistic religion held, uh, held their uh, launch party at the cathedral to send a very clear message that reason would replace traditional religion by any means necessary. The bishop of Paris and the clergy were forced to attend the festival and publicly renounce their religion and promised to henceforth only recognize the public worship of liberty, equality, and fraternity. What Constantine had done in the name of Christianity the French did in the name of reason. But the great irony in the fallout of the French Revolution was that the revolutionaries thought they were freeing themselves from religion, but in reality, they just swapped oppressors. Absent the Catholic Church, new and still quite demanding, secular religions stepped in to fill the gaps. It was Maximilien Robespierre, a prominent leader of the French Revolution, who was wholly unimpressed with the cult of reason and proposed instead the cult of supreme being, where the cult of reason insisted on a world without God. The cult of supreme being accepted the existence of a supernatural deity, but professed that this deity didn't interfere with men's lives. There was a God to stir the people, but only men could tell them what to do. How convenient for Robespierre. This new cult organized the ordinary people and instilled them, instilled in them proper morals and patriotism. It was the transitory ideology between the worship of a God and the worship of a country, or worse, the worship of country's leadership. Robespierre doubted the cult of reason could actually handle the work of organizing society, so he peppered this new cult with recognizable religious undertones in the hopes of inspiring the masses. This new religion came with rituals, virtues, commandments, and holidays, including the Festival of the Supreme Being, where Robespierre gallantly climbed up a papier-mâché mountain and sang revolutionary songs while the ordinary people looked on from below. One of Robespierre's critics actually said it is not enough for him to be in charge. He now has to be God. So why did the French leap from one religious order to the next? Is it possible that in their zeal to get rid of anything resembling church, they took for granted the role religion plays in ordering society? They removed the iron fist of the Catholic Church. But it appears they had no plans of what to replace it with. They miss the do unto others, forgive others, and serve 
part of the faith. So the opportunistic ideologies of men stepped in as an alternative. They replaced the idea of forgiveness with the guillotine. Are we not doing the same thing today? Are we not experiencing a digital beheading for those who betray the gods of our new society? It's ironic that we look now at what's happening in Paris again. There was a fire in the great cathedral of Notre Dame. And it destroyed everything that had been rebuilt after the temple of reason. A fire destroyed it this time. And it's being rebuilt. And it once again has become a new temple, not to God. But a temple to social justice. A temple to equity. A temple to earth. Have we not just done exactly the same thing that the revolutionaries did when they killed God? Wanted to rid themselves for something that would be better? A utopia where everyone would be free? When churches become political and the government uses that, when political government becomes the church and the church becomes the government, we make bad mistakes. And sometimes we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we swing as they did in their fervor in France, too far in the opposite direction. When we come back, why Nietzsche was right, but not for the reason everybody else says he was right. The Glenn Back Program. Well, he is Joe Biden, I suppose. We elected him, and through his administration, we're bleeding America dry of our economic standing, both at home and abroad. Every day, inflation seems to creep up a little bit higher. Um, don't worry. Uh, we were at 7.9. Today, we have the new numbers for inflation. They got it on track. It is definitely transitory. Uh, it's 8.5. Listen, the, the, we're in economic insanity right now. And it can become an absolute economic nightmare tomorrow. Build up a hedge of protection and spread your risk out. Take some of your money from your IRA or whatever you have and consider precious metals, please. Goldline is offering a special on their historic $5 gold Indian coins. Also, the new one-ounce silver Ben Franklin rounds this week. Those are the ones I helped design. They're really, really great. Collector's items. Uh-huh. Qualifying orders are eligible for free silver or platinum. Call Goldline now, 866-GOLDLINE. Call them now, 866-GOLDLINE.
Head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. With the promo code Glenn, you'll save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Today, part one of a five-part series where we ask, what God is it that we are worshiping now? Because as Michelle, Michelle Obama said, Barack knows that we have to change our traditions, our language. We have to change everything. And we have. But can we just stop and pause for a minute? And ask, is this the direction we want to go? And are we worshiping a new God? Absent the discussion of whether or not God is real, is the discussion of whether or not cultures need some sort of faith to bind them together morally. And do the people find that themselves or is it inflicted upon them? Regardless of a person's belief in God, if you ask them if there are things that they could do to make their life worse, everybody could rattle off a few things. I mean, murdering someone would come to mind that would make life much worse. So would, you know, abandoning a child or abusing an elderly person. These are the kinds of actions we almost universally agree would make life worse and we shouldn't do them. But on the reverse, there have to be things that we can do to make life better. And those things must be universal. They must conform to, as our founders put it, some sort of natural law. We already know these things. Because those are the actions we point to when we say, and we all agree, that's a good person. But where do we derive good from? Is it something that we're born with? I used to think these rights are self-evident, but I'm not sure anymore. I think maybe we have to be taught what is good. Why is murder wrong? Why isn't it murder when I put my dog down? Why is it everybody knows how hard that is, but they don't question your right to put your dog down, but... Now, putting your mom down would be different. Why are humans more valuable than a dog? I think we still have some national morals that bind us together, that prioritize human life, but those are quickly dwindling. Quickly. Last month, we may have universally agreed that teaching kindergartners about sex and transsexuals is wrong shouldn't do that not a good idea but this month i don't know we used to agree that a man shouldn't be allowed to bunk with a woman in a women's prison because sex will happen but california they can't figure out why the trans women the people who were men still are men Somehow or another, they've been introduced into the prison, but 
the women suspiciously, strangely, almost miraculously are finding themselves pregnant in an all-women's prison. Colorado just passed a law saying that unborn babies have no rights and can be aborted at any time without restrictions. We are so far away from safe, legal, and rare, which should show us that the slippery slope is real. But my question is, have we hit bottom yet? We have taken moral agreements for granted. We have not paid attention to our national values or tended them. We expected them just to naturally sustain themselves. That hasn't worked. Can we count on knowing right and wrong innately? Or do we need something that guides us? Is right and wrong decided individually? Or do we have to agree on it? For example, if I only believe that murder is wrong, but my neighbor who wants to kill me does not, then I think we're going to struggle living in a neighborhood together. A nation requires at least a minimum level of moral order. Or else the system collapses. Look what's happening in our cities. The question of our time is actually how much order do we need? Terrible things, yes, have been done in the name of God and religion. But let's not forget the horrid things done under the umbrella of a godless system like Nazism and communism. Communism alone is estimated to kill up to over 100 million people. Last century, the only thing that beat communism at death was disease. Yet I argue that our ideas of morality are not conceived of independently. Morality is received from the wisdom of others throughout history. In America, our morality has Judeo-Christian framework, a framework many of us have just taken for granted. This morality is baked into our system of government through the protection of natural rights, the freedom of religion, the value placed on human life, equal justice, and so on. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. As Aristotle said, nature abhors a vacuum. He meant this as a physical principle. But it is aged into an idiom that basically means if there's a hole, it's going to be filled. We see this in practice when somebody tries to quit smoking. The smoker doesn't usually quit the habit without forming a new habit. That's because we humans are more motivated by positive actions than negative ones. When I want to smoke, I'll chew gum instead. More powerful than when I want to smoke, I just I'm not going to do it. Eh, it's not going to work. In religious circles, there's a concept that inside every person, there is a God-shaped hole. And if God doesn't fill that hole, something else will. And it's usually not something real good. In Matthew 43, Jesus warned of this in a cautionary tale. He told his disciples, he said, an unclean spirit came out of a man and then traveled around looking for somewhere else to live. It didn't find anywhere. 
So it went back to the man and found that the hole he was living in before was still totally empty. So he grabbed seven more unclean spirits and they all moved back in together. And the man was worse off than he was before. The man in the parable neglected to fill his hole. And his life was much worse because of it. It's kind of like what happened during the French Revolution. The French revolutionaries destroyed institutions without understanding the role of those institutions and the importance that they played in holding their nation together. And in the end, they weren't better off. They were far worse off. Friedrich Nietzsche. Yeah, the man who wrote The Antichrist. That's a surprise on Easter week. The man who railed against Christianity. He's remembered for his work, The Madman, in which he wrote, God is dead. God remains dead. And we have killed him. How can we console ourselves, the murderers of all murderers? Now, most of us know that line. Time magazine in the 1960s came out and they celebrated. They made it just God is dead. But the sentence that he followed the murderer of all murderers with is important. Who will wipe this blood off of us? What water is there for us to clean ourselves? What festivals of atonement? What sacred games shall we have to invent? Is, it is not the greatness of this deed. It is the greatness of this deed that is too great for us. Must we not become gods simply to appear worthy of this? Nietzsche, in that sentence, asked the question that we're, we should be wrestling with today. Absent God, how do we atone for our sins? Well, we have to become gods ourselves. In our society, we're already answering that question. But too many people are are not realizing it. There is a new God in town. Who can take our guilt away? The cult of wokeism? We now have people going to the mob on Twitter to absolve their guilt when they sin against its religion. Worse yet, is there even forgiveness in this new religion? The high priests of wokeism What's his name? Ex Candy. They will, they will tell you if you are white, you will always be guilty. Does this religion have forgiveness? And who grants that forgiveness? If you look at modern culture, you see we are trying in every way we can to absolve ourselves of guilt. Do we give acknowledgments to every Native American tribe? Hoping that we feel better about us existing? We apologize for assuming that someone who looks like a man is a man. We started to say things like, ah, as a cis white male, I feel it's best for me to keep my mouth shut to make space for other more marginalized voices. We try to atone for our skin color, but you can't. Our sex, but you can't. Our families, our friends, our ancestors, even our old Facebook photos or posts. 
We will confirm even the most outrageous ideologies if it means we can separate ourselves from guilt. When Nietzsche said God is dead, don't interpret that as God is dead and all is well. No need to give that any more thought. We're good. What he meant was that belief in God was dead. And it was our fault. And that without God, everything about humanity must change. Barack knows. Throughout our history, we have organized ourselves around the belief in God. Belief comforted us in death. It gave us hope despite oppression. It inspired us in battle. Most importantly, the battles that were being fought with inside our own self. God gave us the ideal model for our lives. The model for the Judeo-Christian world was Moses and Jesus. But most people, even people that claim that that is their faith, don't really even understand who those people really were. More and more Americans don't know anything about them. Who is our role model? As we've reasoned God out of our lives, we have incidentally diminished a crucial part of what holds us together as human beings. The part that looks upward to align itself with something better, with holiness. I see what Nietzsche wrote as a warning to us about the vacuum left when we, re- we remove God from a God-shaped hole. Gang, I have news for you. We've already removed him. What are we replacing him with? Do we still hold any truths to be self-evident? I'm a big fan, and I'm sure you are, too, of getting the best possible night's sleep uh, available. Um, And uh, the guy who helps me do that is Mike Lindell, believe it or not. The latest incredible deal on his Giza Dream Sheets. I've raved about these for for since the first time I ever slept. I'm a sheet snob. Yeah. Which you really don't want to be a sheet snob ever because it's so expensive to buy really soft, good cotton sheets. Durable, breathable. Well, Giza cotton is the best cotton in the world. These are ultra soft, breathable, extremely durable. And right now they're 60% off. They're coming in as low as $39.99 with the promo code BECK. By the way, everything is a 60-day money-back guarantee at MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com. Just look for the radio listener specials. Type in the promo code BECK, and you'll find all their specials, including the Dream Sheets. 800-966-3117. 800-966-3117 or MyPillow.com. The Glenn Back Program. America was never special because every single American believed in God, although many did. What made it special was Americans agreed to participate in a culture that was formed by those who did believe in God 
and expected us to behave as if there was a God. I've known many people who don't believe in God. They're good people. Those people hate it when the government encroaches on their personal liberty. The government doesn't have a right. Says who? There is no quality justification for individual liberty without God. In America, atheists are equally protected by it because God, somebody bigger than the government, provided those rights equally to all of us. Before we lose our freedom, or worse, our souls, America needs to consider again the role of God and moral order in our nation. This week, Easter week, and the week of Passover, we look at our new God and our old God and ask which one of these will empower us. Tomorrow, it's not about some mass conversion to a single faith, faith, but we have to look at our old system and its hierarchy. It's in America always had God at the top. Tomorrow, we look at science.